There we go. Hello and welcome to The Social Recruiting Show. I'm Katrina Collier. I'm a social recruiting trainer and speaker. I'm not joined by my gorgeous co-host, Audrey Knight, even though she's lurking in the background in the comments section, because I'm down <laughs> under and super excited to have the Kiwi edition. So you'll notice we're missing another face at the moment. But Dale, thank you so much for joining from Get Weirdly, isn't it? I've got your company name right. Hi, you have got my name right. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, so, oh, here she is. Leslie is here, so I'm inviting her on screen. So she'll probably just appear in one minute. Um, oh, good. Or does this written Get Weird? Um, and thank you all so much for joining us. So today we're going to be talking about employee branding and keeping it real and less of the bollocks, which of course will make me very happy. So Dale, tell us a bit about. Yes, Katrina Kibben, you're absolutely right. I love the hat too. But tell us a little bit. <laughs> Hi! In the 11th hour. <laughs> Hi, Leslie. She made it. Thank you so much for joining us. So excited to meet you. Thanks I mean, for having the, me. The guys in uh, Sydney have been raving on and on about you. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm a fan already. <laughs> um, so I literally just opened the show. So you're completely live on air. So welcome, welcome. So, Dale, Thank I was you going to ask you explain your background and how you got to be where you are now and your, your recruitment experience and stuff sure sure well I kind of fell into recruitment like I think most of us did about 20 years ago oh, and plan to do something so important pardon me? why would anyone plan to do something so important as recruitment oh Crazy, well, you, right? well you don't grow up knowing that recruitment even exists when you're a kid or a teenager but I, um, I started actually doing graduate recruitment when I was living in the UK, yeah. in London, and I did graduate recruitment for HSBC um, on just a temp assignment. But then I came back to New Zealand after my OE, because all us Kiwis like to do our OE in the UK, yeah. and I came back and started with a recruitment agency. So most of my experience is agency side, mm -hmm. and did recruitment in contact centre, then into more generalist recruitment, um, running recruitment agencies, growing teams and developing them. And then started up my own recruitment agency, and that still exists. Um, but then decided and felt a bit frustrated before <laughs> about the way that recruitment relationships worked with customers. Yeah. Um, I wanted a different kind of relationship, something a bit deeper. And, and with my own agency, I was able to achieve that. We would have discussions with our customers about um, the culture and the value of getting the right person into a business. Mm. And... If we get the wrong person who doesn't align with values and culture, it can really not work well for that organization. So I would get asked questions like, why can you recruit for my business better than I can from CEOs? Yeah. And I said, because I've been doing it for so long <laughs> and I know how to get people to tell me who they really are and then match them and align them with your organization. Yeah. And this one customer said, if you can build a product that will improve my chances of getting someone who's really aligned with my values and with my um, purpose, then I'll buy it. So we built it. Oh, and God. now we have a software company. Yeah. <laughs> and it's now. called <laughs> That's amazing. I, you must be still really grateful to that person as well. Very grateful. Um, that was he's still our first. He was our first customer and still a customer today. Oh, that's awesome. That's fun. So, Leslie, what about yourself? I haven't even said where you're from, which is really awful. So, you might want to say though. Sometimes people don't want to because they want freedom to say what they want. Um, but oh no, that's okay. So, um, I'm Leslie Taylor, employment brand manager for the Warehouse Group in New Zealand. Okay. And um, like Dale, I didn't expect to get into recruitment. So, I was at university studying marketing. And I decided that I wanted to get a permanent full-time job. So I went to a recruitment agency to get a job. And the owner of the recruitment agency offered me a role to work with her. Yep. And at the time, the role wasn't as a recruiter. But naturally, being in a recruitment agency, you tend to start packing up the recruitment work. Yeah. And in the end, I ended up being a recruiter for her, which is a small boutique agency. Over time, I went into other agency roles. And I ended up in an agency role where I was recruiting for warehouse stationery, which um, at the time I was putting people into those roles. And what was happening is three months later, they were leaving. And I could see that something was happening within the organization um, and that candidates weren't happy. They weren't engaged. Yeah. So I actually called um, the GM of HR, who um, at the time, Anna Campbell, and I suggested that she'd like to hire me as her first internal recruiter and that I could make a difference in uh, her candidate retention and possibly her engagement. 
So um, I went internal and ultimately my role expanded into employment brand. At the time, it was very new for New Zealand. Um, in the last five years, I've been dedicated in the employment brand space rather than the recruitment team. Mm -hmm. And um, now I look after all brands within the warehouse group. So we've got over 20 brands, 12,000 people, 240 sites in New Zealand. No wonder you ended up coming on the call so last minute. You clearly have no time. <laughs> it sounds very <laughs> stressful what you're doing. Yeah, I was actually at Massey University this morning um, presenting to their students about personal branding on LinkedIn. So yeah. it's been a busy day. Oh, well, thank you. Even more honoured to have your time than I was already. So actually, you can answer this because it came up yesterday. So I was at the recruitment event company's event yesterday. We've just lost you, your face, Bearsdale. I'm back. Sorry, I had to plug in because I was going to run out of battery. No, we can't. That. that would be dreadful. Um, so they were going on about, oh, like, I mean, they were talking obviously about social media because it's all well and good having an employer brand, but if you don't share it out there, you know, people need to see it, right? But they were saying, oh, our company is too conservative. We can't get management buy-in. So when you went mm -hmm. to that person and said, like, hire me internally, how did you get their buy-in? Like, how did you... Other than you're so really awesome, so but you know it's like it's still there's a convincing job there, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I was like in the first um, instance when I started employment brand, it was actually Anna Campbell that introduced the idea to me. So I didn't have to do the legwork to start employment brand at um, Warehouse Station at the time. But we've grown our social media channels. We have twelve career social media channels here, which Alan and my team manages. And some are more conservative than others. So it's understanding who, um, what is your employment brand? Who is your audience? What is your tone of voice? And how do you want to communicate um, what it's like to work at your organization? Sure. So we actually have brand guidelines, content brand guidelines, tone of voice documents, personas, and data to help us to decide what, when, um, and how we communicate to that audience. And it's really the data that gives the executives um, the return on investment and demonstrates the impact that our content has on our audience. What if you don't have their trust in the first place? So did you just- I guess I'm lucky because I started in one brand and then extended out to other brands within the warehouse group. Yeah. So I think I had a platform to enable me to justify um, the other areas with to the other areas within the business. But I would make the recommendation to people to look at other careers um, social media channels and um, contact people like Ellen and my team who run those channels and ask for their um, their insight, their data, um, and what they do to create such a successful channel. And let's all support each other to facilitate the growing of social media careers channels. Mm. It's, I love that about the in-house space because we're all ex-agency, so you know it's like cut straight on the yeah. other side, isn't it? And it's just the in-house. It's all, yeah, let's just collaborate and share. And oh, I love it, love it. Yeah. Have you come up against that with your clients, Dale, in a similar way, a bit of fear and a bit of... Like a having... little bit, a little bit. That with our clients or customers that we're engaging with, a lot of it has to do with them understanding and realizing that they need to front foot values, purpose and culture in the recruitment process mm -hmm. and put that front and center. And we're a, a, then there's but there is a fear because um, sometimes because it's it's a real shift from the way that they have been doing things. We push really strongly that culture, values, alignment with purpose uh, should be a primary focus for the people that you're bringing into your business, not mm. skills and experience. And that's a seismic shift from the way that most corporations are doing recruitment right now. Uh, but mm. we're able to then back that up with results and take them on that journey. And, and down to because of the data that we're collecting, we're collecting huge, huge volumes of data, we're able to prove that there really is value in looking at culture and values as a primary focus. So my little cohort who wouldn't come on the show today live because she's drinking beer and having dinner, um, it's written here, so what if your company has crap values and culture? Which is a really valid question. <laughs> it's actually been a really short period of time where we finally started looking after employees. If we're really honest, it's in all of our three mm -hmm. careers. So you're kind of going, yeah, that's actually a really cool question. I think that's one for you, Dale. <laughs> 
Oh, I think we can probably, we'll both have an opportunity to answer this one, but um, do you, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. There's uh, one is that there are culture and values and, and that your company has as labels, uh, mm. but they don't actually behave or back up, but um, this doesn't stack up when you get inside. And then mm. there's people that probably don't have the right ones. They are, they've evolved and they need to be moving forward and looking at aspirational culture where their business is actually yeah. going versus where their business is right now. Now, with the mm -hmm. first scenario, uh, that's actually a challenge that we need to push back on. So yeah. we're in the process that we undertake is we create the ideal and then we actually push it internally and say, let's actually see exactly what the culture is telling us. Mm -hmm. Let's have a look and see what the people really are telling, are telling us about what it's like feed that back and give it through to management and see what they can do about it. Sometimes they're surprised and it's and they're happy and sometimes they're surprised and they're not happy <laughs> uh, with what they see. Um, and at least it's a starting point. Mm. And we prefer to work with customers who want to be honest about it, who want to take mm. that advice and, and then do something with it. But we're also in this wave, and I'm sure Leslie's seeing this as well, where you have a culture that you were and, uh, and a culture that you are and then the culture that you're driving towards and aspiring to be. Mm -hmm. And that's a really mm -hmm. exciting opportunity for organisations right now. So we've got those two different mm -hmm. journeys that we're coming across and that we're able to help our customers go through. But what, what, how would you answer that question, Leslie? Yeah. Um, I think that we use a lot of UGC content, so user-generated content from our employees. And I think regardless of what your defined culture and values are, they're sharing content already that depicts what they believe the culture is and what they're experiencing as an employee. And they're having those conversations with friends and families, colleagues and suppliers. And they're also sharing that content internally on your internet, your workplace, Facebook pages, whatever it may be. So using UGC content is an accurate reflection of your con your culture because it comes directly from your people. And I would start there. And then, you know, if you're thinking from a strategic perspective, use the engagement of that content to then go back to your executives and advise what your candidates or your audience is engaging with. And potentially, as an employment brand person, you can then influence what the future direction of the articulated culture and values are. And that's the way that employment brand can really lead from a strategic perspective. So what about, so again, a person yesterday who was quite resistant, and she's just like, we, we can't do that. They have this fear. Really, I mean, she's in security, but she's not like in cybersecurity and considering tenable. So it was like, I didn't really see what her issue was. But, you know, that's another whole conversation. But it was like, we have this fear. We can't really share who what we're like. And I'm going, but people want that because it's a Google world. You know, you just want to look at the company before you even bother wasting time applying. What are they yeah. like? So did you ever get that kind of fear? Oh, we can't really share what our people are actually sharing. Or what if they share something bad or like, I don't know. I guess there's two streams in there. There's career social media channels that your brand manages, and yeah. then there's your people, which are your ambassadors, and you can't control those channels. No. So I'd say regardless of what you put on your brand channels, your people are communicating your culture every day mm. and what it's like to work there. You just have no visibility of it. So I would suggest that maybe she brings together a group of people from their organisation and um, interviews them and asks them how they describe the culture externally, what they're proud of, um, what achievements that they can share or they feel comfortable sharing, and then um, either use your brand channels to communicate that or ask them to use their own channels to communicate those stories. Uh, sometimes people want um, someone from the marketing comms team to have a look over their content before they share it, just to make sure that they're not sharing anything sensitive or confidential. And um, that sometimes gives them the, um, the comfort in what they're sharing externally. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd also say that sometimes those negative comments or bad comments can show a level of authenticity about a brand in an organization because the way that you respond to that negative comment because some you've got not everybody's perfect but the way that you respond to that and then seeing your supporters come in and rally around that comment and talk about other examples can be a real opportunity for an organization yeah we what's negative for one person might be positive for another though i think that's yeah. the thing yeah, yeah. so in our organization we're undergoing a lot of change and transformation as are a lot of kiwi businesses 
And actually that attracts the right candidate if we articulate that and our team articulate that. Um, you would struggle if you didn't like change right now in our business. So the fact is that it could be seen as negative, but in fact, it's attracting the right candidate in the end. Yeah. yeah. We had a great debate yesterday, actually, about um, good old glass door reviews, because of course, that's yes. often we <laughs> companies get yeah. feedback that it is very want. And obviously, they mm -hmm. can be very extreme. But I do think, again, there's this opportunity, there's a common thread all the way through, then you mm. have this opportunity to make change. Um, Adam has written on the sign here, most important thing is, uh, sorry, most important thing is about aligning how you sell values and employee experience with candidates and the reality. Absolutely, which you guys would mm. say. Oh, are we ready for Audra's question number two, which is actually her first one, but I read them out of order. Any tips for branding when you are laying off in some departments? Oh, God, mm. cool. mm. lucky she's not alive, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> she's throwing the curveball. Have you had that, either of you? We've gone through a lot of change over the last couple of years and um, being the employment brand manager for a business that's going through change is tough. I think the reality is, is if you're as honest with your candidates as you are with your team um, and the market knows the reality of the situation, then um, again, you have to bring to the forefront what is happening in the, the business and the positives. And as Dale spoke to earlier, the aspirational goal for your brand as well that actually things um, right now are changing. This is where we're heading to. Would you like to join us as we head on that journey? Do you think you've got something to offer our organization as we are changing? And and I think it's about the communication and the respect that you, you and the way that you treat people when they're going through that process internally. Because if people are respected and they understand that if they are being laid off, then that story is a story that they will tell others. Where you get into trouble is when it's a complete shock. And it's like you've ripped mm -hmm. off a Band-Aid and then suddenly it's announced in the news that this has happened um, mm -hmm. and not in it with no explanation and no way of treating your employees right. So it's about your culture and the way that you front foot the reasons why mm -hmm. exactly what Leslie is saying. Mm -hmm. And people will remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ultimately, it's how you treat people. Absolutely. Yeah. Simple. So how do how do you collect your user generated content? Are you using corporate hashtag or you have a WhatsApp group or how do you how do you get people to buy into that? We have internal um, intranet, Facebook pages, Yammer pages, um, and so a variety of sources that we use internally. And essentially, it's like a journalist role where uh, Alan goes into those those pages every day and looks for content. And then the most important thing I would say is to contact the person and get permission to share their content externally, which takes a lot of time. Um, but it's the most important step if you want to build a relationship with your team about sharing their content. Uh, and then obviously proceed to share it on our own channels. Um, but we like to encourage people to share their own content. I would actually prefer them to share it on their own channels than on our branding channels. Obviously, it comes with more credibility that way. And also, it's in their language and their tone of voice. Yeah. So do you have a hashtag? We do have a hashtag. We have hashtag retail careers. We are leading a change in New Zealand around industry perception and the negative perception that our industry has. And we've had a number, number of measures over the last five years to change that perception. And using hashtag retail careers is an opportunity for us to tie in all of those initiatives into one hashtag. Oh, that's really cool. What about you, Dale? Have you got any thoughts on that? Get, getting the content. Do you have that with what you do? or is it uh, We don't do it too much. So I guess when we're thinking about it from our perspective, our whole product's about getting the right people in. We're not sourcing anything from internal. Um, we're bleeding a little bit internally, but it's more what you're attracting into your business or who you're attracting into your business. The kind of content that we're receiving is, I guess, feedback from uh, candidates who are going through the process um, via an organisation. So we get positive, um, we get a lot of positive feedback about the, that feeling like uh, candidates have been treated like a real person. They want to know who I am, who I am as a whole person, not just what my skills and experience are. Um, I'm more than just a resume. So we can take some of that and we can send that out, but we're, we're probably not right in that end of the user-generated yeah, content. Mm. No, that's fair. And I take it in that case, it's encouraging recruiters to go back to people. That's the biggest complaint I hear is like recruiters that it's disappear. Still, it's crazy. It still is the number one complaint, communication. 
And we've yeah. got this enormous amounts of HR tech coming out, but we still, that are going faster and better and bigger and more amazinger, uh, but they don't, they still don't seem to solve that problem. Mm. As an enterprise company, I can probably chime in on that because we receive um, tens of thousands of applications a year, if not more. Um, and I think the thing is we need as an employment brand team to help people to self-select them, self themselves out. Yeah. So we need to provide the information, the inside view of culture, values, mm. our leadership team, etc., for people to either connect with us or not and determine that they're not right for us as much as they are right for us, which will ensure that our poor recruitment team are inundated with candidates that are never going to be right for our organisation and um, have to be in the business of declining people, which we don't want to be in as a customer-orientated company. So I think as an employment brand team, we need to take the responsibility to help to provide information to our candidates. And exactly. I think Weirdly is a tool that enables us to do that as well. It's before they get to that application process that they can determine whether or not they're right for our culture. And fundamentally, as I said earlier, um, you know, skills can be taught. That yeah. attitude and that match to our, our culture is something that's inherently in someone um, at different stages in their career. So I'd much rather see people that connect with us, applying with us, than uh, the whole country trying to come and get a role with us. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Leslie. Well answered. Oh, goodness. I mean, it's so true, isn't it? Because the cost of failed recruitment is just, yeah. You know, when yeah. people start to leave and then, then they're no longer customers, which is even more obvious in your case, but still affecting B2B, that kind of stuff. Adam has written well, I was just speaking with these university students this morning, saying companies get 100 or so applications for one job, sometimes overnight. And the reality is that, you know, we want to create a rapport with our candidates and our customers in New Zealand. We want them to have a good experience with our brand. So to really think carefully to where they want to apply and are they suitable for that company mm. or rather mm. just register their interest rather than applying for a job. Mm. So what were some of the them on branding? Because I actually think it could go the other way. Because I think I, I often think recruiters don't take enough time to make sure their profiles, like I always say, look like a recruiter worth talking to. Particularly with the highly sought after people where you really do have to make that proactive sourcing. So what sort of tips mm. are you giving them for their profiles and branding? Um, I would say that our recruiters are pretty great at their own profiles, to be honest. No, not <laughs> um, in general, across the board. <laughs> uh, in general, I would say be a person, not just a recruiter for the company that you work for. Um, because we talk about personal branding a lot from a candidate perspective, but I think it's just important as important for a recruiter mm. to show me that you're not just the recruiter for that brand. Yeah. What else yeah. is important to you? How can a candidate connect with you and find the commonality with you as well? Mm. Um, and to obviously share content, not just about the jobs that you're recruiting for, um, but your interactions with the company. Um, when you're picking up a job and you're speaking with a new hiring manager, what was it about that hiring manager that, you know, really stood out to you? What was it about their leadership style that you think people would connect with and kind of move away from advertising a job and um, posting up a, a position and actually give me an inside view of what it's like to work there? Which seems like a no-brainer. Adam has just written here as well, just completely backing up what you're saying as well, but going off a slightly different leadership needs better profiles, usually rather than recruiters. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Um, how yeah. do you convince leaders to update and share content? Yeah. <laughs> I love to use examples of our people doing it. Yeah. Um, so people within the business, no matter what level and how successful they are at it and share that with their GMs or their, um, their chiefs and uh, demonstrate that their team are doing it. And actually it's led not from the top bottom down, but actually from down up. Um, and then as soon as they get a positive candidate interaction based on their, their profile, uh, you'll see them uh, utilizing it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Got it's got to really hit the bottom line for them. Yeah. You'll get, yeah. you'll get yeah. the right candidates if you put the work in. Um, people yeah. are going to be attracted to you. You're going to find commonality. They, um, that's yeah. That's as soon as you you get a reward for what the work that you're putting in, then of course you're going to do it. 
which mm. I think is mm. added. And they can get competitive internally. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. competition with the managers. Who's got the best profile? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit of ego driven. Yeah, gamification mindset. They want to be just as good or better than their people. Yeah, and, and, like, and what about comparing metrics? So at the moment, you know that some of the, the the standard metrics that the internal recruiters have to adhere to. If you could put those onto managers, also, yeah. you know, how long are people staying with you? How long are you retaining people in your team? Mm. <laughs> Might be a bit controversial, Ooh. but what if, we, what if we wrote those out internally? It's not all internal recruiters. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. God, could you imagine? <laughs> I, I think that was, one of the, um, that was one of the things that came up yesterday was about when you have got just the world's worst hiring manager who who just it doesn't retain staff and just the challenges mm-hmm. around that. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. you just can't change people, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things um, I come up against all the time, and I know this was all about it, but keeping that real, like yeah, maybe some from you, Dale, some ideas how we keep it consistent, uh, a culture and the view that we're putting out. I know we've talked about employee-generated content. Any other ideas or examples of companies who do it well? Besides, obviously, your gorgeous clients sitting next to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, if we're moving, I know that Leslie can talk to the employment brand and the social side, which we've been talking about, and many more things. But the good examples that I'm seeing, it does still come down to leadership. Mm-hmm. And and it's the honesty and the authenticity. And where I see it work really well is customers who have acknowledged that they need to do better and mm-hmm. leaders who are have acknowledged that they needed to do better and they knew that they were a bit broken in parts when it comes to a culture and then are showing what they've been doing in a really structured way to improve that and what the benefits are. Sharing those stories and so lots of organisations that I work with have done that and that's a that's a number one sort of, indicator that they're going to be a great customer for us because they care so much about it that they're doing something to change they're not just telling their good stories they're telling their war stories um and and acknowledging that they were they were broken and moving forward so that's one thing and those leaders are doing this um online and blogs they're doing it at conferences getting up on stage and front footing it um and they're they're showing the changes and they're making a change and they're demonstrating it to their people and they're demonstrating it to their customers so that's one thing that i would i would say is something that leaders could be doing to help show that they're going on that journey towards a better culture yeah i like i like it when people are really real and they go like these are the mistakes we made and how we've learned from them and yeah people appreciate that today well, here's another one. Does it need to be consistent? Every brand, department, etc., can have their own EVP and message. So do you need consistency? I think that there is an element of consistency, but also a recognition that there's, there are subcultures within a culture. Mm-hmm. When we're going into organisations, I believe there are company values that everyone must adhere to or must feel like mm-hmm. they have a sense of belonging and there's a realness mm-hmm. in a an alignment with those but I also acknowledge that the way that those might be demonstrated um, what courage looks like in an engineering team what courage looks like in a marketing Mm -hmm. team or sales or customer service could be different but Mm -hmm. it's still a value at an organization level so I think there's yes there needs to be some sameness but there's uh, or consistency but also acknowledging Mm -hmm. that there are those subcultures Mm -hmm. what do you reckon Um, We're focusing on purpose right now rather than kind of EVP and values. As our business is transforming and changing, they're not really yet articulated. So what we're looking for is the common um, purpose of helping New Zealand to flourish. And then fundamentally, we're looking for the key attributes in our candidates that will enable us to deliver our strategy. So we've taken a quite a different view while we're in a transition period because we can't honestly say these are our values. Um, And I think also the content, again, probably speaks to itself. It it infers the value. It infers what you'll experience when you get there. But we're not necessarily clearly articulating exactly what our values are, EVP is. I'm having a little power problem here. Oh. I, I already had mine. <laughs> because it's like I'm watching it, it's not charging, and I'm just going, I know it's pointed in. So I'm just going to disappear for a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, just want to say, I just want right, to we'll chat amongst it. ourselves. Shall yeah, we? It's hey, well, let's come up with a question. On. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> let's come up. What's the question for you, Leslie? What's been the most significant win that you've had lately 
as far as that transformation change is going? Um, well, I guess one of the things that we've done is we've changed some of our questions that we ask brand ambassadors. Yep. So in the past, we would ask them along the lines of the values, the purpose, the EVP, those sorts of things. But now one of my, or a couple of my favorite questions are what are the biggest challenges you're experiencing in your role? Right. And things like, what do you wish you had known in your first few months of joining the warehouse group that you didn't know before? Like that one. That's a and one. actually publishing those and sharing them with candidates. Because the reality is that we need people that are resilient and going to hit the ground running, that they can adapt to um, the organization. And we need to give them a view from our own people to what they wish that they had known and kind of facilitating a conversation, almost being that middle person rather than um, speaking on behalf of our people, just providing the platform and the amplification for their messages to our candidates. And that like helps with onboarding and everything, doesn't it? Oh, sorry? Yes. Which yeah. is all beneficial. See, yeah. I'm just here for one minute to plug in, and you guys have taken over. This is awesome. Talk <laughs> about yourselves. I'm just going to tune out. No, it's great. It's so weird. The PowerPoint right there doesn't work. I'm Because I'm stuck in an Airbnb. Hence, I'm sitting on the floor. Ah, same. With right. the bed. Like, yeah. Yes, because I leave on Sunday. So. And I have to complain profusely about the weather. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. You, you always expect it to be great in Australia, don't you? Oh, oh, and they go, why do you live in London? And I'm like, <clears throat> I've had like five days of rain. <laughs> anyway, that's another conversation. That so. is. So we were just what talking about significant wins, and I just really loved that question yeah. about um, what you would have, what you expected in your first 90 days and maybe what you didn't yeah. get. I think that's such a great yeah. opportunity to be sharing. Mm. And that's, is that being shared out publicly, Leslie? Yes. Oh, yeah. awesome. So we include that in our, yeah, I just think um, the reality is you need to be pretty resilient right now. And um, and in most companies in New Zealand, I'm hearing that there's a lot of change happening. And, you know, people need to realise that it's not always as easy. Um, the induction onboarding process is what we would like it to be. But again, it's an opportunity for our people to share that experience with candidates so that within that first crucial three-month period that we all know is instrumental to retention and engagement, that at least they come in knowing that there's an opportunity for us to do better. And um, you need to really seek out information and seek out opportunity to connect with people in the organisation in those first 90 days. Do you think yeah. you guys have your own challenge because, you know, New Zealand's, what, 4 million people? That kind of yeah. adds its own, you know, whereas, you know, we, we're, well, because I now live in the UK, so I think like a Brit, you know, we're 60-odd million plus we can pull in from Europe at the moment. That's not talking yeah. about the B word, but, you know, <laughs> is that, do you think that's why you're able to be a little bit braver? I call it brave. <laughs> um, I think largely it's down to our exec team and the support I get from leadership to take risks. That's yeah. If we had values, I'd imagine risk-taking would be one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, being bold, the whole um, way of working around test, learn, iterate, it's very much part of our culture here. So if I wasn't living that from an employment brand perspective, then I probably wouldn't be living our values and our culture. Um, but, yeah, I just think... Uh, being different in this market and standing out from our competitors, which actually we all kind of share information anyway, is really important. Uh, but the warehouse group has a unique opportunity and also um, a unique challenge where 98% of the country shop with our stores. So they've got a view about us. They've got a view about us. They do. As a customer, yeah. and um, we have over a million visitors to our careers websites a year. So a lot of people are attracted to work for us. So we've got a big responsibility, yeah. a big responsibility yeah. to our customers and to New Zealand. And then, and that's part of that four million aspect. I don't imagine that there are. Do you think that there are other brands in the world and that have that much market share <laughs> or that much market attention? Could you say that there's any one brand in Australia or the UK that has 98% of the entire population shopping with them? I mean, that's part of our that's part of our big selling point for New Zealand is we can try things out here, have a huge impact and uh, market penetration quite rapidly. 
But because we're so small and we're so far away from the rest of the world, we have a slightly nimble or scrappy nature towards things. Mm. Coming from a startup perspective, we can't go, I'm going to, we can try in our own market for a little while, but our market's so tiny. We need to go global from day one. We've got to think, how do we get into another market as fast as possible? And so that's mm. that's drilled into us from the moment that we open or start a business Yeah, um, because we're so small and far away. But as a result, it's one of our competitive advantages in the global marketplace. We mm. just, there's nothing lazy about the way that we approach how we're going to do sales. We're out there running, going hard. And so as a consequence, we need people that are going to work for us that are going to behave in the same way and understand how competitive yeah. it is. It's um, funny, I spoke at the um, Candidate Experience Awards, so it was run uh, in London yeah. for, uh, oh, where am I, Amaya? God, do you think I'm still jet lagged the way I'm thinking today, but I still blame Mark Mansell for the hangover. Anyway, another conversation. Um, but I actually was talking about NatWest Bank and how I would never work for them because I don't like my business banking manager. And I was just huh? really, really pathetic. But the Candidate Experience can start like way, 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 way back. You know, somewhere you wouldn't even think that it's starting. But like you, you're fully aware because you have such a huge yeah. market share. That it, it yeah. starts with how how are your how are your people treating people? So therefore, that yeah. is impacting your recruitment. And some of them are just sitting there going, "Really? You wouldn't work for networks because you don't like them?" Like, yeah, really. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's that's very real. I'm lucky because we've got five major brands that we manage. And each of those brands is unique because they've got different levels of awareness in our market and then different levels of attraction based on that awareness. Yeah. So it gives me yeah. an opportunity. It's almost like an in-house agency environment mm. because if I have an idea that I don't think would work in one company for a certain reason, I could go to another brand and yeah. give it a go. Yeah. Mm. Um, also, we've got different types of candidates. We've got more professional candidates and then um, you know, more tech candidates in a different area. So it gives me an opportunity to kind of play around with ideas as well. I'm sorry. I'm being distracted by Adam, which is really rude. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm watching it come up, the chat, the chat coming through. Yeah. Oh, the chat's awesome. It's, yeah, it's a bit quiet today, but it's, it, the questions coming out of these guys are amazing. So I yeah. would love it. They really help because, you know, I can only ask so much stuff. When they throw a great yeah. question out, I'm like, yay, <laughs> thanks for that. It makes I think it makes it much more fun, this format. So, um, crowd it does. Yeah, yeah I'm loving really it. It's good fun. It's very easy. Time's flying yeah. by. Do you find, Dale, then, because obviously you get, you've got clients abroad like I do and you sort of see the differences. It must be really interesting with that mindset from New Zealand. We know that there's a world out there. Like mm. I was down in Sydney, I knew that, and London, obviously. Do you find some parts of the US aren't quite so like that? And does that kind of, do you find that difficult when you're talking to clients? Just, yeah, they're just so different. The way that people, the things that people care about are quite different, what our customers care about. Um, what's been really surprising for me going into markets, particularly, let's use the US because it's so different. Um, mm. Australia is different, but the US in particular is that some of the practices that people have are, are here. Most of them are not. The thing yeah. in New Zealand is that we tend to take um, a piece of software or an idea and then we really milk it. We use it to the nth degree. We get as much out of it as we can. We yeah. use every single feature. Well, I, that's in my experience anyway, because we're quite lean. We don't have lots of money to experiment, particularly in HR and recruitment and yeah. talent acquisition. When we go to the US, it's so big and the scale's enormous that they're willing to throw some money at something to give it a go. But also that when you present them with something they haven't seen before, it's a little bit of a, it's a big shift. But yeah. while that can make a really big difference to my business really rapidly, where have you been all my life? And or sometimes we're too advanced. We'll say, yeah. make a suggestion. They say, whoa, that's way too much for us. We're still just taking resumes and we can't leave those. There, There's a lot of fear of change uh, until they see the results. So I found that yeah. a really interesting phenomenon because when we're, we're small and we're down here and we just expect that when we go into a bigger market that everyone else is going to be better than us or bigger or yeah. um, they've got yeah. access to so much more than we do, but they don't often mm -hmm. take it up. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. been my experience. I really I spoke at, I mean, God, I'm going back a few years. So Sosu in Auckland and then I spoke in Sydney that you guys are just watching like, the sourcing just leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty well everyone, to be honest. There's, there are some uber geeky sources, of course, in the, in Europe and um, the US, but mm -hmm. the Kiwis are like leading the pack. 
And I think it's yeah. probably what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have to be. We have to. We don't have a huge market of talent here, so we're mm. often sourcing people in new markets, getting them to want to come and move to New Zealand. Yeah. Um, people mm. haven't heard of New Zealand. <laughs> That's what's really funny when you go I to the U.S. But across the heaven, sorry, I'm like you're being an Aussie. It's like it's right there. No, they haven't heard of us. What they when you go to the to the U.S. I haven't heard of Tasmania, but you know, it's it's Lord of the Rings. We're Lord of the Rings on the yeah. West Coast. Yeah. And on the East Coast, it's Flight of the Concords. Um, <laughs> and you think it's going to be the All Blacks. And it sometimes is, but not as as much as Lord of the Rings. And yeah. um, clean green, you know, that yeah. kind of kind of yeah. how everyone yeah. seems to us. Little mm. Kiwis. Yeah. <laughs> you guys aren't that little. <laughs> no, no. Oh, we're punching way above our weight, way above our weight. It's great. <laughs> So is it easy to get people to move once they know or are they just still? Do you have that, Leslie? Yeah, we, I guess our brand enables us to attract people from overseas because we're so big in New Zealand. Yeah. But in comparison to the UK, South Africa, America, we're actually quite small in terms of a retailing group and the numbers that we're dealing with. So largely we're attracting people based on New Zealand's reputation and they want to come and work in a place that's family orientated and safe. Yeah. It's really the foundation of why a lot of people want to move. Mm. Um, but for them, coming to our business is actually a step to a smaller company quite often, which is you know different given that in this market we're one of the largest, if not the largest. Yeah. So the yeah. way in which we... <laughs> yeah, the way in which we pitch to candidates is slightly different and um, definitely trying to help them to be established within the country is really important part of retention and engagement as well and facilitating their families, um, integrating into New Zealand is another really important part. So is, it, is the government quite open to letting people in as well? Obviously you I would say... I would say that we've obviously got immigration um, responsibilities and, and laws. I'd say that New Zealand is, um, you know, struggling for a lot of talent right now. And you've seen some really successful campaigns come out of New Zealand for overseas um, talent acquisition. And, you know, New Zealand in general is just hungry for talent. Um, as much as possible, you always want to grow your own talent within the organisation, um, offering those opportunities and development. But sometimes it's a necessity. Yeah, it is. It is. We need to get more yeah. people. We need more yeah. people here for sure. So we My do follow laws. The, the Brexit yeah. thing, you know, we've kind of like yeah. had our start. And my dad like, never what? stops talking about Brexit. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going. Like we've had a 94% reduction in nurse applications. Like really. We're already seriously oh. short of nurses and you're just saying, what? Like, yeah, it, it's insane. So that's my question was kind of like that. Is the government working with you as opposed to against you? Yeah. Um, was really where my question was coming from. So, because, I, yeah. I mean, obviously you've got to breed your own. It's essential. But if you guys aren't breeding enough people, well, then. <laughs> that's right. And we're not. We're not. No. So I think we, we've officially started having more deaths and births in New Zealand. I think that started last year. So right. immigration is a really good opportunity for us to continue to grow as a, as a nation um, and we need that. Uh, I think also our industries are changing. Yeah. Um, the, the way in which New Zealand's making money is, as a country is changing. Um, tech in particular is a massive export for New Zealand. So, you know, this is an opportunity. Yeah, but why don't we grow more tech talent both within New Zealand um, and, and I know there's a lot of work going on with STEM right now in schools. So while we're waiting for those kids to grow up, um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for us to look overseas for, for talent there. And, you know, Auckland is a really multicultural um, city. Uh, we embrace that. And I think that's what makes us really special, as, especially a city and in a wider country. Do you want to hear something really um, horrific along those lines? So my sister, my, do you want to hear something horrific along those lines? Oh, yes. My my sister is working for the uh, engineering membership body here, and she runs events here. And she wanted to go into one of those schools, which was an all, all girls private school in the North Shore. So I have a feeling it might be my old school, but I'm not sure. I need her to find out. Yeah. To have somebody talk about engineering, and they went, "No, we only want law and medicine." Are and you just, joking? 
produce really, really smart people is pushing girls away from STEM. And I'm just going like seriously what the full, full blown yeah. expletives were coming out of my mouth for about a minute. Yeah. Just going, what are you doing? Oh, like so disappointing. And how unfair I mean, really those are those are valid careers, but they're 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 not what I would be advising. Yeah. <laughs> it's like let people make a choice. Don't decide right. that a school like my school had two thousand girls in it when I was leaving. So like don't decide mm. that two thousand girls can't go in a career that way. It's uh, I just like going, What? Yeah, I need to find out if it was my school because seriously, I know enough people there, like as an ex student kind of thing, they crack on and start a campaign. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's really that's really disappointing. But I think I'm hoping that there is some change coming, and that we're sending our children to schools that are forward thinking. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So let's not name names. Let's no, no. I'll tell you what, I think I've managed to say it yet, and of course it wouldn't be on my Good. LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I will find out. So it's mad. It's mad. Oh, have you guys got any final things that you were thinking before the show? I really want to make sure I say. I guess just on that topic, um, the warehouse group and the recruitment team here, we do a lot of work to work with schools yeah. and to work yeah. with um, students to tap into what's important to, to them, yeah. their values, yeah. their purpose, their why, and then communicate that and build those especially social profiles to be able to um, be attractive to candidates and be found and sourced, but also to put themselves out there and differentiate them themselves from other candidates. And I think as an industry, you know, we need to really look after our, our young people and to support them um, to identify what's important to them and enable them to make the right, not only company match, but career match to your point, yeah. you know, facilitate yeah. um, their interests, their passion, and then facilitate that into a career. Yeah, exactly. And, and do they want yeah. stuff that's so different to us or are they just much more aware of how to use Google to find another job? Yeah. Sorry, what was that question? Do you think they actually want different stuff to what we who are older, particularly me who's older, um, want? Or is it just that they know how to use Google better to find another job? Because I, I sometimes wonder if the young are, you know, they say like they want change and they want to be invested in and they're, they change jobs yeah. every few years. I just wonder if they've got less fear or if they... They've got oh, a lot of confidence. There's some confidence there, but I don't think... I think one thing that's still the same as when maybe when I was at school to now is that I still don't think that our children or young people, using your your phrase, um, Leslie, are aware of everything that's out there. So Google mm -hmm. exists, but when I was at school, my sphere of influence of the jobs and careers that existed in the world yes. was limited to my, my the teachers, um, mm -hmm. my family and my friends of family and what their jobs and careers mm -hmm. were. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still similar. I don't think we are doing enough to prepare and it's not just careers, it's actually what are the skills and attributes you're going to need to do any job? What are the commonalities? What are the life skills that you need? What do you need to be able to do? Because I, I don't know if we can prepare for careers when we don't know exactly what those careers are going to be because there's so much change happening. And I think just getting our young people thinking about their futures thinking about mm -hmm. the fact that there is a long, you've got a long life ahead of you and mm -hmm. things like financial advice. I mean, I didn't learn a lot about money when I was at school and I wish I had. Mm -hmm. I certainly have a much bigger savings account than I do now. But th Ooh, I think there's that awareness is still common to, to us yeah. when we were when we were kids. But I think mm -hmm. there is an overconfidence um, and that they and that they have access to information, not necessarily career information, but just so much information being fired at them all yeah. the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our job is to teach them what matters in that information mm -hmm. and what's going to matter for them. And what do you you're think, right. Like, I think like my, my job didn't exist five years ago. You know, I created well, slightly longer than that ago, but I created my job. You're kind of yeah. going, oh, how would you prepare for that? Who knows? Yeah. So you're yeah. right. You go back and talk to schools as well. Mm. I think job factors change as you go through different stages in life. Yeah. And when um, we've had a lot of interns at the warehouse group, um, over 150 in my time here. And really what they're looking for is an opportunity to put university students in particular, putting their theory into practice and to essentially prove themselves and get work experience to be considered for a job. 
And um, I'm always encouraging those students to share their learning and their experience in their internship on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and sharing that experience so that other recruiters can find them, pick them up, and offer them an opportunity. Um, and that's the way that, you know, I think we can support young people to start to get into grad or entry-level roles. In New Zealand, you could wait six to eight months to get a full-time job after you're graduating. So I'm always encouraging them to hop on LinkedIn, build their profile, build their connections, share their stories of their achievements and their accolades so that recruiters can mine that database and tap into that new opportunity. Yeah, yeah. that's really sage advice. So I sometimes think they don't know what <laughs> they don't know what to do on LinkedIn. So by suggesting no. that, that's brilliant, isn't it? And you know, these job factors that are important to them when they're young may not be at their next stage in life. Yeah. So right now, they're just looking for an opportunity to prove themselves. Once they've had a couple of years' experience, their job factors may change. Um, and isn't that great thing about social is that you you witness people changing in their careers all the time as they're growing and developing and moving, um, and it gives an opportunity for us to see their progression. And actually, yeah, and you think about the three of us have all quite have been audacious and gone and created our own opportunities. So you approached the company and said, how about I yep. do this? And you set up on, the, on basically a bet from the client, didn't you, going, you know, you prove it to me, so you built it, and I've done sort of a similar thing, just had this crazy idea and gone with it. So it's like, it can absolutely happen. And I, I think I've changed career like four times as well. Mm. So mm. I just think they have yep. slightly more opportunity now if mm. they, you know, do exactly what you're saying. Mm. Hello. You guys are amazing. Thank you, Leslie. I know that you were, like, running around like a blue-ass fly right before you ran in. That's okay. <laughs> so I have to thank you. And thank you, Dale, as well. I think there's a cue for your cap. <laughs> we love you. Oh, there? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, well, let me know the numbers and I'll get yeah. some ready. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think we need to make it so we all actually meet in person, which would be really, really awesome. So yeah, one day as well, because I was super excited to be able to do a Kiwi edition as well, which was sort of thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, no, it was nice to be down here and to, so to have your precious time when you guys are probably going, who? Who's this Connor woman? Yeah, <laughs> no, of course we know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I'm starting at this reputation. I need to behave. So anyway, but yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you both, and have the most. Right, thanks so much. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.